Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast, our mission to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. So next week is our uh, Easter weekend, which is the biggest weekend of the year, uh, both in the Christian calendar and in our calendar because we're Christians. Um, it's, it's our uh, best attended service of the year, typically. Um, it's changed last year because of COVID, but this year we'll be open for the first time. We're actually having two services next week, not two on a Sunday. We're having a Good Friday and a Sunday morning service. So there's a couple of things. Uh, first is we have quite a few people um, that are showing up weekly, um, assuming that there will be space, and there might be space next week, but there might not. So this is why we want people to register. The last thing we want to do is to turn somebody away at the door. So both Good Friday, 10 o'clock, Friday morning, uh, as well as Easter, Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. You want to make sure that you register ahead of time so that we don't have to turn anybody one away if we're full. The other thing is for, for Good Friday, we'll be doing communion. And so if you're here, we're providing the little prepackaged uh, grape juice and cracker. If you're watching from home, uh, you want to be prepared with some juice, bread, cracker, whatever. Um, and so, so that's for next week. Um, just be prepared for that. Easter, as I said, is our biggest weekend where we celebrate the historic death and resurrection of Jesus, our Lord, our Master, the one we, the one we love and follow and um, uh, allow him to shape our lives. There was a, a video that kind of went semi-viral this past week, and it was an interview, uh, an interview podcast between Jordan Peterson and Jonathan Peugeot, and I shot it, saw it shared it in a bunch of different places. And Jordan Peterson is a very polarizing character. You know, you'll love him or hate him. But he, he, he's done a couple of podcasts now with this Jonathan Peugeot guy, which I love because Jonathan is a, uh, he's a, an, an orthodox icon carver. So he'll speak to Jordan Peterson about symbolism and all that other stuff, but they have very different views about Jesus because Jonathan Peugeot is a committed Christian who believes that Jesus was an actual human being that lived on the earth and actually historically went to his death on the cross and rose, there was an actual physical resurrection. And here's the point of contention. Because Jordan Peterson, in this video they showed, he, he, he's, he kind of breaks down emotionally and says, I, I, I think I believe in God. And so a lot of Christians are sharing, they're celebrating this, oh, look, Jordan Peterson believes in God. But what he really means is he believes actually specifically in Jesus, but not Jesus as a, as a physical, historical human being, but Jesus as a psychological ideal, an archetype, a symbol. And Jesus is an archetype and a symbol, but he's also a historical human being. And so I like it when these two talk to each other because Jonathan Peugeot will kind of put the screws to him a little bit, even while he's speaking the same language. But when, when he was challenged on it, this is what Jordan Peterson said. He said, maybe it's not reasonable to say to believers, talking about followers of Jesus, you aren't sufficiently transformed for me to believe that you believe in God or that you believe the story you're telling me. But he goes on to say, the way you live isn't sufficient testament to the truth. That's harsh. He also says, Christians don't manifest the transformation of attitude that enables the outside observer to easily conclude that they believe. And I think he's sort of on that line saying, I think I believe, I want to believe, but when it comes to the actual physical existence, crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus, if you really believe that, it should be transformative, and I don't see that. It's kind of what he's saying. In our series, Who Are You?, we've as Claudette mentioned earlier, we've, we've tackled the, the question of identity, a, a question that is a huge question in our culture today, in a, in a culture that's kind of lost the tools to adequately answer that question. And my contention is that Jesus offers better tools. And so we talked about 
you know, biology and citizenship and, and, and work and family. But today we're talking about the, the ability to be transformed. A recent poll, sometime in the past couple of years, polled a whole bunch of teenagers in terms of what they wanted to do with their life, career-wise. And 20%, so one-fifth of the polled teens said they wanted jobs in one of five areas. In the arts, design, entertainment, sports, or media. So one-fifth want a career in one of those areas. In the workforce, the number of jobs represented in those five areas is about 1% to 2%. So you have 20% of teens aiming for 1% to 2% of the available jobs, or the jobs that might be available. In contrast, the number of people that work, say, in administration are 15% of the jobs available. The number of the teens that said they would be aiming for a job, in an, an administrative type job, was about zero. And so we have a whole bunch of people that are maybe not well prepared for the future they're walking into. This in a culture where the primary message to our younger people is, you are perfect the way you are. You're perfect the way you are. I mean, it's contradicted by the increasing cases of depression anxiety. How does that make sense? And I'm talking pre-COVID. Depression and anxiety among our young people is spectacularly on the rise in a context where being people are being told you are perfect the way you are. You can do it. You can achieve whatever you want. And yet we're facing existential threats, ecological disaster, nuclear disaster. We face challenges from nature, like plagues, hurricanes. We face challenges from culture in our relationship. We face challenges in, in trying to reach our potential, and even figuring out what that potential is supposed to be. The challenges start right away. Bullying in schoolyards, keeping up with your homework, your schoolwork, not, maybe not making the sports team that you want to make, or even worse, not getting that special person to date you. You're perfect the way you are, but why can't you get what you want then? Why is life so difficult? Why, can you, why are you having a hard time getting the job you want? Or maybe it's not even available to you. See, the thing about, about transformation, the thing about meeting the challenges of the world, it's more than just skills. It's more than just having the right desires. It's also about character. And, and I, I like that the Board of Education, for the past 15, 20 years, our boards of education have tried to address character education. And the way they do it is they'll highlight characteristics. But I think they struggle in teaching our kids and teens how to actually get those characteristics. Well, we can celebrate humility, but how do you teach someone to be humble? We're not really good at that. We celebrate initiative, but how do you teach somebody initiative? And so you're perfect the way you are, but your experience says that you're not. And there are no solutions. Here's what the traditional modern, as opposed to postmodern, here's what the traditional message of Jesus has been. That message, I've mentioned this over the past few weeks, okay? So... Guilt, forgiveness, heaven. That's a three-part message. And, and the basic message starts from the point of, you're not perfect the way you are. In fact, you absolutely suck. That's the message. We wonder why people don't want to hear it. I think because they already feel like that, they don't need to be told it. And so, the idea that you completely suck, but God loves you, there's a disconnect there. Because I think the starting point is, God loves you exactly how you are. 
Well, isn't that the message of the postmodern culture? No, it's not. God loves you how you are. Doesn't mean you're perfect the way you are. To really love somebody, even to love a thing, even to love an idea, is to accept that person, thing, or idea as it is, not to make it conform to something else. And, and the modern culture, our previous one, um, were notorious for categorizing things into structures. In fact, we did it with people. You are this type of... In fact, I think that's the only modern thing that has persisted into postmodernism. Categorizing people into, into categories rather than accepting somebody for who they are. Which doesn't mean you're good enough the way you are. What it means is you're accepted and loved for who you are and God is the supreme lover and he loves completely no matter what you're good at and what you're bad at, how good you are, how bad you are. I've said it before, there's nothing you can do to increase God's love for you because it's infinite. But there's also nothing you can do to decrease God's love for you because his love for you is infinite. And so there's a message, God loves you exactly as you are. Now that's an incomplete message because the truth is you're loved the way you are, but you're insufficient. And this is something that should be true to us in our daily experience. You have a fight with a family member, you don't get the raise you want, you don't get the promotion, you, you make a mistake. Uh, more than that, you do things sometimes that you know are wrong, and it's like, it, it, it's a battle to even do things right. So, we're loved completely the way we are, but we're insufficient. God offers the change that we need for ourselves. God offers the change that we need for the world. When, when Claudette started the service with that verse, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The actual original language says, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. There's no he is, she is. It's like this, this exclamation. If you're in Christ, new creation. New creation happens when you're in Christ. There is new there. The hope of the gospel, the hope of the good news of Jesus is the possibility of change. Transformation. To what end? Our world doesn't offer models. It's just kind of like be the best that you can be. But the end is clearly described in Scripture. Jesus himself. And here's where he, he is the ideal human being. Here's where he is the archetype. The model. The model and the means. It's not just something we strive for, but he makes it possible to, to be on the road to Christ-likeness. That's what we're striving for. So Jordan Peterson says, the way you live, insufficient testament to the truth. And, you know, these days it can be hard to argue with that. We, we've had this past year, um, the church hasn't just been marked by combative and controversial approaches to COVID. We've also seen scandals of leaders in the church. Scandals of abuse. Scandals of sexual immorality. And somebody looking from the outside says, oh, I've... Aren't you supposed to reflect Jesus? So it's hard to argue that. I've, I've seen it closer to home. I've talked to somebody in our church who was really struggling with, with identity and capacity, having gone through years and years and years of therapy. And you go, well, what does it take? I've, I've had a conversation with somebody who talked to me about their, their parents' issues and, and their fear of, of repeating them. And then they went and repeated them to a T. Where's the transformation? I know people who grew up in dysfunctional families 
that are now replicating the dysfunction in their own families. And you go, well, where's the transformation? At the same time, I know somebody in Crossland Church whose life had fallen apart due to addictions. And now they're thriving in business and in family. I know somebody in Crossland Church who grew up in a horrific environment of abuse that is gaining confidence and identity and purpose all the time. I know two people that grew up in, in, in broken families that have come together in marriage and they're, they're finding health and, and strength in their marriage and they're not repeating the things of the past. So I, I see that. The most dramatic example, I think, is this guy who was in Crossland Church and he started coming to the church because although he had struggled with drugs and alcohol, he met somebody from his distant past who had already also struggled with drugs and alcohol, and he met that person. They were completely transformed. And he kind of went, how did that happen? How did that happen? And through that, he started coming across the church, came into a relationship with Jesus and experienced the transformation for himself. See, it does, it does happen. The hope of the good news of Jesus is the possibility of change. Because of Jesus, transformation is possible. But more than that, the greatest witness to the historic resurrection of Jesus is the transformed life. I think it's kind of sad that Jordan Peterson hasn't come across somebody like that. But I have. The greatest witness to the resurrection of Jesus is the transformed life. So how does that happen? Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And when it says you were taught to do this, I think implicit in that, implicit in that is you were taught how to do this. You were taught to do this. I come across... Um, people who are followers of Jesus that have that, um, instead of 20 years experience, they have you know one year experience 20 times. Many people become followers of Jesus. I'm saved, I'm, I'm in the family, I'm, I'm in the kingdom. And, and it's like they're, they're through the door and then they stay at the door. And there's a whole journey at, ahead of them, but they're just staying at the door, holding on to the baggage that they brought in with them. And, and I don't know that it's always... Uh, a lack of desire. Sometimes I think it's a lack of know-how. I'm not sure what to do. And so Jesus becomes an add-on as we live our regular daily lives, go to work being whatever kind of employee we were before, doing the same thing. You add church attendance on Sunday. Maybe if you're really good, you add a small group or ministry involvement. You're not really sure how to deal with the baggage. And scripture tells us in a way, but we're not great at articulating it and holding one another accountable, and, and walking with one another through that. I, I see it happen, yes, but it, it seems like it's more sporadic than universal. Romans 12, verse 2, and this is a memorizable verse. If you haven't memorized this verse, you kind of need to. It says in New Living Translation, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. I don't love the New Living Translation there. I grew up learning the New International Version, and I like the language a little better. Uh, new, the New International Version says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The idea is that there's a pressure to conform, 
And, and there's a necessary resistance to that. Do not conform to the pattern in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, how do you do that? How do you renew your mind? I think what happens is, if we don't know how, there, there's all kinds of uh, words and, and, and phrases in our church experience, which are, which are valid. You know, we're redeemed, we're regenerated, we're transformed, we're renewed. And if we don't know how to do it, we start using the words without doing what they mean. And so the words themselves, the phrases, they become like insider language. I know I belong because I'm using the same words everybody's using, right? It's a psychological thing. I belong because I sing the same songs, dress roughly the same way, carry the same kind of Bible, and, and I'm using the words. But what do the words mean? How are they applied? How do you renew your mind? It's not just jargon. It's not just an indicator of belonging. If it remains unapplied, it's kind of useless. And I, and I, can, I can feel the frustration of, of some of the people listening go, okay, but I don't know how. Yes, I'm going through the same struggles I have for the five, past five years, ten years. Maybe as a parent, as a as a somebody involved in ministry, maybe as an employee, maybe as a, as a spouse, going through the same struggles. How do I become transformed? And so the how are the tools of discipleship. So we've, we've talked about many of them over and over in the past little while, the tools of repentance and confession. It's actually confession and repentance. The idea that you would, with another human being, right, with another human being, you would recognize, confront, and turn from the ungodly habits and, and, and inappropriate behaviors. In relationship. See, what happens when you, when you confront it, when you actually say it out loud, you begin to make that thing lose its power, its hold over you. We don't do it because we fear exposure, vulnerability, shame. That's what you gotta do with somebody you trust. We also have the, 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 the grow character tools. So um, if you're in one of our grow character groups, you would know this right now because this is right where we're going. The, the, how, do you, how do you change those heart things? Sometimes you, you have an issue and you, you confess and repent and it just still seems to have a hold over you because there's deep inner work that God needs to do in your heart in order for that transformation to happen. We haven't been good at teaching these things to the church over years. We do have it now. In fact, I, I mentioned earlier, there's somebody I talked to in the past little while um, that struggled with personality issues or, or whatever, um, just str had struggles all the time. And he said, I've been in therapy for years and years and years. But he said this, and this is almost word for word, if I remember correctly. I am quickly becoming an advocate for abide and grow character because I'm seeing the change happen now. It's why we're pushing this all the time, because I've seen it myself. I've been a Christian for 55, not 50, 45 years, right? That's a long time. And, and there's, there's growth, sure. There, there, there's God making change happen. And, and, but I, the, the tools that are available in these two programs, Abide and, and Grow Character, are, um, it's, it's like moving into third gear when you're driving which if you drive automatic, it might not be that dramatic. But when you drive standard, you know what that is. You drive it in third gear and all of a sudden you got more. You can go. And, and I kind of feel bad for saying this now because we don't have it starting soon. We're in the middle of it now, but we will start it again probably in the fall. 
He says in front of everybody in the staff, goes, what are you talking about? We've never talked about this. But I'm guessing here, okay? We will be running it again. These are the tools that we learn how to allow God. See, he's the one that does the work, right? It's one of the problems we have is we try, 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 try. Trying's not going to get you there. You have to participate with his process. So there's a two-part challenge today because we're, I'm, the message today is not about be changed so much as it's about demonstrate through your change that Jesus is real. So the two-part tra- challenge, the first one is participate with God in the transformation of ourselves. Let the Spirit lead us to be transformed and become more Christ-like. But the end I mean, sure, Christ-likeness is, is our individual ends. We're also part of God's mission because the second challenge is to be the ability to answer the question. When somebody looks at you and says, oh, you go to church? I was wondering if that might be a difference. What is the difference? And going to church isn't the difference. A lot of people go to church. Is being in a relationship with Jesus where his spirit lives in us and transforms us from the inside out. We have to participate with that. But then we have to be able to answer the question to somebody who asks. We talked about that last week. Always be prepared to have an answer to somebody who asks about the hope that you have. So we've talked about identity in terms of, you know, your biology and your work and your citizenship and and, um, family. I think we had five messages on specific topics. The first one is introduction for the problem. But the, the biggest indicator, the biggest solution to the identity question in our culture today is the demonstration of the transformed life. And being able to connect the dots verbally to say, this is how it happens. That's that's the answer in all those other categories. For us to be the witnesses, the people who testify about Jesus' reality, his historical death, his historical resurrection, is our own life transformed. That's the whole point of the series. Who are you? What are the tools that you have to answer that question? If you're on the path of following Jesus, transformation is what demonstrates. It, it allows you to, to live into the identity for which you are created, which is as much process as it is blueprint. So maybe you're watching today online, maybe you're here in person, and, and maybe this is the last piece of the puzzle for you. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. And maybe one of the reasons is because you, you haven't recognized the transformation. Maybe you've seen it, but you haven't recognized that that's what it is. Christians are not just nice people. If you're on the path of following Jesus, you're being transformed to Christ-likeness. So I want to give you the opportunity to step into that path. Because all the therapy in the world is not going to get you to Christ-likeness. You can become more effective as, as, as a human being, but to what end? We were made for a relationship with God, who created us to love us. And there's nothing that you have to do or can do to make him love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. But we are created for a relationship with him. To move towards Christ-likeness, to further his kingdom in this world and to live in relationship with him in eternity. And so if, if, if that's something you want to do today, if you're finally ready to connect those dots and fill in that last piece, I want to encourage you. It's as simple as ABC. It's A, admit your need for God. To acknowledge that without him, you are insufficient. 
You don't have access to a relationship with, with, relationship with him, and you, you don't have the means to transform yourself. So A, admit. B is believe, and believe is not just a mental assent. It's not just an opinion you hold or you choose to hold. B is, is a statement of trust. To really believe something is to act it out, is to live it out. And so to believe, yes, I recognize that Jesus came, Jesus died, in order to overcome my insufficiency, to overcome the barrier between myself and God. And then the C is to commit to him, which is getting off the old path and going on the new. You can't walk two paths in a forest at once. You've got to pick one. And the commit is saying, yes, I'm doing this. I will walk the path of transformation to Christ-likeness. Not, not just aiming for him, but as he enables you, because he's not just the model. He's also the means. So ABC, admit, believe, commit. And if, you, if you're ready to do this today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just pray something like this. You can repeat my words or make my words yours. Just pray, Father in heaven, I thank you for loving me. I thank you that even though I've done nothing to deserve it, you love me no hold barred. And I'm choosing to trust you today. I'm choosing to believe that the life that I need to overcome my insufficiency is available through Jesus. I'm trusting in Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. And I'm choosing to commit my life to you today. Transform me as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you're praying that for the first time today, welcome to the family. But I, I'd love for you to connect with us. We are a community of followers of Jesus here, and we need to walk together in this. And so connect with us at, uh, go to crossons.live on your smart device or computer, phone, whatever, and, um, and click the follow Jesus button. Give us your, your contact information. We'll get a hold of you to give you next steps. Even to when we'll have the next Abide and Grow character classes that you can join. But we do want you to connect. The good news of Jesus is that change is possible. The way you are is not the way you have to be. Jesus offers transformation and the greatest witness of the historical life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the transformed life. And my prayer for each one of us is that we would live that out, which is both for our benefit and for the world. And that when people ask the question, we would be able to answer and say, it's because of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us so much the way you are, but you love us so much that you won't leave us the way you are, the way we are. I thank you that we have the opportunity to be changed into Christ-likeness and that you are already working on our hearts to do that. Father, open our spiritual eyes to see what you are doing. Open our spiritual ears to hear how you are leading, that we may participate with you in your purpose for our life and in your purpose for the world. We want to be a testimony of Jesus' death and resurrection, of your work in the world, of your love for other people. So Father, may we live that out and may we have the boldness 
to explain when people ask. Ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.